friends, welcome to episode 135 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm having tea. Oh, Good I'm cup having of seasonal tea. depression. <laughs> it is dark. Yeah. I will say it's dark out. I will also say that it's... It's... <sighs> the snow has fallen. It is cold. Yeah. It is, it is that damp. It's that damp, cold. gloomy, like at 2.30 in the afternoon, I had to turn the lights on. It gets on into house. your bones. Yeah. Just, oh God. That is, that is definitely a thing. Just the worst. So yeah, today, today was a little, today was a little bit difficult, but I got my, got my, my Wednesday night therapy session tonight. That's right. So, That's right. Uh, I don't know if I told you or not, but I, I started painting a little bit today. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. When I was Good out the other day, um, I picked up some oil paints Ooh. from, uh, from Michael's and, uh, some mineral spirits to thin them down, stuff like that. So I'm trying some new techniques, mm. uh, and I wanted to do something that was a little bit, a little bit larger and a little um, uh, that like if I wouldn't care so much if I screwed it up with sure. a, with a new technique. Sure. Um, so I was painting a tr- uh, a tree ant miniature uh, oh. from Wizards of the Coast, nice. one of the official ones. Nice. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's coming out okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I particularly like the color I used for it. I I, I tried to mix down like a red brown so that it had sort of a redwood look to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I added too much red, so it's a little. It looks like it's a tree, a bleeding tree. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. There's layers. Well, th- you can there's, always do layers. There's layers. We'll see how it turns out. But. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I've been looking at a whole bunch of stuff for VTT. I, uh, Foundry VTT, which, uh, I haven't looked at in a long time. There's been a lot of updates since then. Like some of the stuff for doing layers and mm-hmm. roofing and connecting places has, has completely changed. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm kind of excited uh, for being able to use that with the the digital map board that I'm working on. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, if if all goes well, I should have it ready by the end of the month. Okay, if, good. If I if I hit my numbers like I want to, so right on. Yeah, and that'll be a, a nice 32 inch display that I'll be able to uh, do my digital maps on. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited uh, to see where that goes because it's my first trial on that kind of thing. Uh, it's definitely gonna ha- like my my first take on it is I'm gonna need a bigger one, mm-hmm. but this is a good start point. No, I think nice. I think it's a good size, honestly. Um, it I, is, but it isn't for me. Okay, I feel like I I need a little more acreage than that. Okay, okay, fair um, enough. Um, and uh, uh, just because, uh, like even the maps that I'm working on, my basic poster size maps don't fit on the board. Mm. It's just it's just shy of that, and I want to at least get up to that size. Yeah, because I find that to be a good base size. Sure, sure. Um. Plus, moving the, like, taking the minis off, shifting the map, resetting location feels wrong. I agree. You know, in view. Um, But I've got a couple other tools besides Foundry that I'm going to be looking at as well uh, that are coming up. Um, So I'm excited uh, to see where those end up. So... But uh, yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of Foundry, like I, I, it became drastically clear to me that I have not spent any time in Foundry in the last several months. You even haven't had to. I haven't had to because we've been playing in person since since we all got vaccinated and stuff like that. But then uh, we were supposed to play this weekend mm-hmm. uh, for my birthday. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, that kind of fell through. Unfortunately, we had two of our players, uh, one uh, one of our players' wife uh, yes. is confirmed COVID. Unfortunately, COVID positive. So we that hope whole she gets house better. Would, absolutely, uh, whole household's on quarantine, and then one of our other players, um, 
is uh, possible. Is Ill. Yeah, possible is 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 ill and possibly has COVID. So yeah, just a terrible set of circumstances. And I, obviously, you know, hope everybody gets better. Hope everything is is just fine. Yeah, uh, love and support to all of you. But at the same time, then like the idea of like, well, if we're going to be homesick, why don't we just play digitally? And I was like, I'm unprepared. Oh, I have like three days to put together. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Figure out how to run Savage Worlds and Foundry and set up all of my stuff in it. Like, I'm like, I, I would rather run no game for you and run it later mm-hmm. than run a crappy, hastily put together, frustrating game for you now. Right, right, you know? right. As, as much as it's frustrating that we haven't played since September, yeah, it's, I, I'd rather do it right. Right. So right. just everybody get healthy and we'll play again maybe, you know, on New Year's Day or something like that. So. Yeah, which I think is definitely possible. So. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll so. keep the energy up. We'll make this happen. Uh, thank you for the happy birthday wishes, Knox in the Box, in the live yeah, chat. Uh, yeah, if, uh, super thoughtful. Everybody, just remember, we uh, broadcast live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller-Conclave. If you'd like, uh, join us up on the Discord in the live chat and uh, yeah. be able to uh, uh, chat with us during the show. Yeah. So, speaking of show, our show today is a step away from the tactical and map and things like that and getting back to kind of non-combat yeah maybe not not combat but but not tactical combat yeah yeah as, as it's traditionally Just thought this of is combat does not mean it is combat, combat. <laughs> exactly exactly so uh so i mean really what what do we okay so we're dancing around it what do we mean when we're talking about combat so, so the first thing i think of when i think of combat is i think of tactical gameplay um where I'm rolling for initiative, and you know I am making uh, tactical decisions on each one of my movements. I have actions. I might have bonus actions. I might have, you know, uh, tricks that I can do. Things like that, depending on the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is linear, and I'm waiting for the next player to do theirs and the NPC to do theirs. Quite possibly, miniatures have been placed, terrain yep. has been placed, things yep. like that, and we're 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 into doing actions in the way that is described in the combat chapter of the book, whatever book that may be. Correct. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, so, so then, you know, what, what does that leave that isn't combat? Well, I mean, well, I think that's a more complicated answer than, yeah, than you'd expect, you know? Yeah. I would, I would tend to agree. Your first thought is, you know, um, it's social stuff or, uh, you know, maybe managing a trap. Mm-hmm. Or doing some kind of a challenge, if you will. Uh, mystery, uh, exploration, um, sure. quite possibly chases might even fit in here. Kinda, to a degree. I mean, you can still have some actions in non-combat scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, uh, horror and suspense of like, you know, the the big reveal of like, oh God, here's the monster. Maybe that turns into a chase scene. Yeah. Maybe you only see the aftermath of it, you know. Yeah. Um, or puzzle solving. That's another one. Yeah. Like figuring out you know which which one of the weird shaped keys has to go and which one of the weird shaped doors to proceed you know i I was reading one thing just before the show and that was somebody asked the question they was it was talking about chases and Uh they said what's the opposite of a chase obviously the chases are when the players are chasing are being chased you think of chases right what's the other is it a hunt no it's still a chase it's still a chase naturally yeah but just it's done in reverse from what you would normally think. And what was funny was how many people thought of like, no, 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 my my players are always chasing someone, and like, no, 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 my players are always being chased. And it's like, well, clearly we have two different GM styles. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so, but there there are there are other ways of 
kind of a gray area, I suppose, between doing combat and doing non-combat. Mm-hmm. And that's um, dramatic scenes with dangerous elements to them. Yes. Um, so you're not using the combat rules for like initiative order and stuff like that, but it may include elements of the typical combat scene. You know, your PCs may still be in danger. Um, one thing that immediately came to mind when we were thinking about this was uh, Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. um, which of course I'm I'm the one running that. Uh, is is there are uh, dramatic tasks, mm-hmm. and they talk about how sometimes you know your your dramatic task may be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, as you're rolling you know, your, your various skills in a dramatic task, trying to accrue a certain number of successes before, uh, either within a certain number of turns or before a certain number of failures are accrued. Um, if you fail, you may incur some damage. Yeah. You know, Uh, and you can use your fighting skill just like a regular old skill roll. It's just a skill like everything else in the game, you Mm -hmm. know, unlike in D and D where it's kind of its own, you know, your, your attack bonus, is kind of its own thing. Right. Um, so in this, you might just roll fighting or you might just roll shooting. Right. And if you fail that, you know, you, you might take some damage. If you critically fail that, you might take a lot of damage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird to think that you can take damage and possibly even die in a, in a quote unquote non-combat encounter. Yeah. But perfectly feasible. Yeah. I mean, 7C, second edition, especially weighed in on this with, Mm -hmm. um, the ability to have, uh, consequences and resolutions and opportunities so you you go into a scenario where you dictate the approach but like the situation is set before you one of the the key ones that they talk about is like you have to make it through like a burning building uh well you know being fired on by archers who who are in a separate you know who are up on a balcony or something like that so you've got you know you're you're trying to make it to the other side of the room just just to escape you're not gonna be hunting down these archers they they have the drop on you Mm -hmm. so you know your initial success is getting through the room right so that's just your first then you raise or get another success and that could achieve that you don't get damaged while going through the room okay Mm -hmm. and then finally like are there opportunities in the room that you can also choose well the thing about 7c is you can choose where your raises go meaning I may say, okay, I do make it to the other side of the room, and with my one raise, I choose to grab the map off the table. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. You know, you still take the damage from the archers, but you've made it across the room. Right, right. You or know. like, um, you know, I, I I may be playing an exceptionally tanky character, thinking I can I can take a couple hits from the archers, like mm-hmm. no problem. Yeah. So I'm actually going to use my success rather than to avoid the archers. I'm going to lend that to you. Because your character's more frail than mine, right. and say I'm going to distract the archers with my success. I'll take the hit, but you avoid the archers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or in some cases, you don't make enough successes, and maybe you need to help someone get out of the room. Yep. Or you spend your success to take the opportunity and fail to leave, and now you're gone for a scene because something happened. Your failure is what happened. Does it mean you died in the fire? No. Not in that case, because, you know, heroes don't die in fires. You know, you're just missing for a scene. Something happened. You're done for that scene. And I, I, I've always liked that concept, that drawn back concept, that it it doesn't necessarily mean death. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you can't let things go to that level of fate, that it's that simple. Um, especially when you're dealing with a heroic style story like that. But I could definitely see other situations where it very might be that way that you might have that i think horror situations set that where you know dread is the, a perfect example where hmm, yep it fell guess what you're gone 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, whatever um, ways, whatever ways, dramatically appropriate, you're removed. Or from like the game. an Arkham Horror situation uh-huh. where you, it just bad things happen. Aliens is another good example. That alien got the drop out of you, and uh, yeah, he just myrtled you. So and we're done. Yeah, and it's over. So those kind of situations where death is on the line, you know, it's different. But in other cases, eh, it doesn't mean that you didn't just you know fall and get covered by things and then recover and make mm-hmm. it to the next scene in some way. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so why would we want to avoid traditional combat? I mean, there is an entire chapter in the book for it, right? So let's just start with the basics. Yeah. Speed. Oh, that's so a big many, one. I, I think that is the biggest thing that I've read online of why people don't like playing D&D is they've sat down at a D&D game, played one encounter, and that was it that they had. Yep. had one combat encounter. Four and it, hours, and we fought a couple goblins. Yeah. yeah. And it took us forever, because people didn't know what they were doing. And there was all kinds of excuses. People didn't know what they were doing. They weren't prepared for the game. They didn't know their abilities. The DM, you know, had way too many NPCs. You know, whatever the situation is, combat always feels like it takes forever. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and you're in some cases, you're trying for that realism that that flavor that verisimilitude yeah yeah yeah. yeah, exactly you you want it to feel real and 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 combat rules are typically the most detailed rules in the game Mm -hmm. you know they they go you know typically six seconds at a time is it seems to be the pretty much industry standard give or take um you know and, and you've got a certain number of actions and you know there's a block and a defense and maybe a dodge and maybe a counter attack that takes place and it's it's all very intricate and choreographed but Man, when and, you are going through every last little split-second action with a die roll, yeah, it really bogs the game down. And as you get higher in level, that doesn't get less. It gets longer. Oh, yeah. Way longer. I remember there was a discussion on the Discord, too, about... Uh, I want to say it was uh, one of our listeners, Draven. It was um, uh, in a level 20 one-shot game or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. I think he said, like, the, I mean, like, the combat was not even really terribly all that involved, and it basically took, like, all night. Yeah. And you'd think it would go quicker, but no, it just, you've, everybody's got 14 different abilities instead of only four. And so do the enemies. Yeah. Exactly. It just gets, it gets thicker. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just D&D, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say Savage Worlds combat stays pretty fast, fun, furious, just because, like, you don't really have hit points to go through. Um, you've got extras and wild cards. Extras are knocked down as at basically one wound. Um, and so they're, they're either, as we say, up, down, or off the table. Right. Um, and then even your wild cards only have like four wounds typically, unless there's something big like a dragon. Your players, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it you typically runs faster, but it's still the slowest adjudication that you're going to be doing. Oh, God, Because yeah. it's still combat, you know? Yeah. Um, especially if you're playing with, with miniatures and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. can put your train and whatnot, so... So what what doesn't it do? You know what what do, what what should you focus on? You know, because well, I I feel like there's some there's lost com- components beyond just the slowness. Yeah, um, I I think one of the other the the focus of your game is another very important thing to consider. Right. Um, and one of the main reasons why you wouldn't want to get into combat is because it may not be where you want your game to go. Um, and one thing like I, I've I've always said about combat is that once you roll initiative, um, you set certain expectations for your for the outcome of the encounter, right? Um, it implies that there's going to be a winner and a loser mm-hmm. because it's going to be a direct combative contest. 
Um, and because the PCs are the heroes, it's going to assume that the PCs are going to be the winner of that contest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's a completely metagame thing to take into consideration. But tell me, every single time we've rolled initiative, do you not just assume in the back of your mind that you're going to win? Well, I think it. I think that's part of it. But, you know, definitely in, in my mind frame is something that I always come back to is the more that you get to that system that tactical turn-based close-knit system the closer the farther you move away from role playing and the more you move into table tabletop board gaming yeah yeah absolutely so absolutely. you're you're losing the story element mm-hmm. very quickly um so it sets the expectation not only that you're going to that you're going to you're going to win but you're going to win by doing it by conquering them physically correct you know um so there's not once initiative is rolled people stop thinking about like is there still a diplomatic solution Right. Can we run? Can we talk? Right. Can we, you know, what what happens here? Right. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, the expe- expectation set that this is going to become like one side kills the other. Um, and really, if that's not where you want your game to go, mm-hmm. if that's not the precedent you want to set, maybe you don't even want to roll initiative. Yeah. You know? Um, and similarly, it doesn't, it may not fit the pacing you're going for. Um, so... You know, exchange of blows may not happen in haste. Uh, you don't need to go into <laughs> in, into combat to adjudicate those exchanges, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like for example, and this is this is kind of what I was talking about with the um, Savage Worlds, like uh, uh, using your fighting skill or your shooting skill as a skill check mm-hmm. rather than a combat action. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we just talked recently about aliens. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. immediately what came to mind. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. imagine the scenario: you've got two characters. And they're running away from a wave of aliens. Sure. Um, they don't know how many of them there are out there, but they're being chased. Right. They go into a elevator or an airlock or something like that. Um, some sort of a sealed room that has a pressure door that will close. Mm-hmm. Um, only it's not closing. Right. Now, you've got one person who's going to try to hack the system to get that door closed. Mm-hmm. You've got one person who's going to hold off the aliens while they're doing this. Sure. Now, there's two ways you can handle this. Obviously, you can go into traditional combat. You lay out a map. You put their two miniatures in the little room. You put the alien miniatures out out there. And then you go through, okay, roll to hit, roll damage, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're going to move all the individual aliens one right. at a time. Now it's your turn. What do you do? I hack the panel. Okay. Or you just go into a dramatic task. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you've got one person is going to just make their hacking check mm-hmm. and say... They have to make three successes before getting four failures or something like that. Sure. Throw three successes in four turns or – I don't know. You, you can do a, a number of things with it depending on how difficult you want it to be. Sure. That's all they're doing. The other person is making shooting checks, mm-hmm. just regular skill checks using their shooting skill. Sure. If they succeed, they hold off the enemy for the round. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how many there are. It doesn't matter how close they are. Right. Whatever they're doing – they have successfully used their knowledge of their firearm to hold back the tide for the turn. Perfect. If they get a critical success on this, meaning they get a raise on their roll, um, maybe there's no – they were so successful that they've actually beaten them back a little bit. There's no attack next round. Right. And therefore, they can allocate their, their thing to doing something else. Maybe somebody took a hit. Maybe they need to heal. Maybe he can use his turn to help the hacker. Right. And use an assist, you know, on that mm-hmm. um, to get the job done quicker. Now, if you fail, 
you take a wound. If you critically fail, you either take a lot of wounds or both of you take a wound. Mm. Okay. 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 And therefore, you've still got that danger element. Right. The aliens are still closing in on you. The aliens are still capable of doing damage to you. You're still using your shooting skill. Right. But we're not going into turn by turn, roll initiative, move the miniatures. Jot down the damage. Because it doesn't matter. Right. In fact, the faster paced this is, I would say, the higher the tension no, I agree. I agree. Because you're getting closer and closer to a resolution. Doesn't mean it's a positive resolution, uh-huh. but it's a resolution. But it has that hurried, panicked pace to it mm-hmm. by keeping it going and not going, slowing it down into initiative order that you're still like, you, you'd you almost be like, you know, sweaty palm rolling the dice, you know, right, <laughs> like, right. Oh, oh God, oh God, roll it quick, quick, roll it, you know. Well, there's no recovery from something like that. If you, if you make the mistake, okay. You've made your mistake. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, some systems give you the ability to push, and then you're risking something else there. Well, sure. Like, and... Aliens does that. But I think you could even, like, we were talking about adding, uh, what was it, stress. Mm-hmm. You know, and having that capability. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, even, you know, I'm just using Savage World's uh, rules to describe the scenario, but, like, you'd be burning through bennies. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to burn through some bennies if your, your, your players have been stacking them up like that, you know? Yep. Because yep. <laughs> this is one roll they don't want to fail, you know? Yep. Or, or spending their uh, inspiration dice and things like inspiration, that. Inspiration, their fate tokens, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but you, you add that tension to it, and now suddenly they feel like, oh, God, I've really got to succeed at this. Right. Because it's not tactical. It's right. frenzied and panicked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, I think that is something to be said for non-combat is, is that it isn't just passive. Mm-hmm. It can be a very active, stressful situation. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that stops the pacing from being faster than combat and frenzier than combat. And then combat usually is. I mean, we're like, oh, combat's over in six seconds. Yeah, that's great and all. But you could still have a running firefight that physically in game lasts minutes. Sure. But rolls take... 20 minutes? Yeah. Instead exactly. of an hour and a half. Exactly. And I was I was found it unrealistic that, you know, all combats were over within 30 seconds. Like yeah. that to me just never never really tracked. But at the same time, I didn't like the um the the protracted attrition war that that late stage Dungeons and Dragons turns into. Yeah. I I agree with that statement, but like 7th C duels mm-hmm. take about as long as they should. Yeah. That's because it's it's fences and parries and blocks and reposts and disarms and tags and things like that that make fencing unique. And they last about as long as I think they should. Um, but again, it's still a combat that can take too long, but is necessary at times to really have the enjoyment of what you're doing. And I think I think that is one of the takeaways of this is that we're not saying don't do combat. Mm-hmm. We're saying make it meaningful. Make it meaningful and and understand that there are alternatives to it. That not every time two people disagree and want to come to blows over it, do you need to drop initiative dice. Right, and... right. You don't need to pull out a battle map to have a bar fight. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but we're also talking about combat for the most part. Yeah. We're it's, not saying... It's squirrely combat, but it's combat. Right. There are other things, though. Yeah. And I, I think there are plenty of examples out there where you can, because, and I think this is where we start running that risk about, okay, now that we've stepped out of combat, how do we handle challenges? Mm-hmm. What kind of challenges are out there? What can we do besides combat? Mm-hmm. And I think 
there's a definite disservice of that in a lot of the adventures that I've read. Like a lot of the pre-made adventures are literally just combat and traps. Oh yeah. That's that's oh, literally yeah. it. And there is so much more you can do with the skill sets that are in games. We, uh, 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 we, I'm sorry, uh, being Sean and I got into a big discussion because he was running uh, Waterdeep, Waterdeep Dragon Heist for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, the the module from uh, um, from Wizards of the Coast, and uh, he actually like clipped out a large section in the middle simply because of exactly that, where he it was like he was going through it and he was like, this has got so much potential to be a really great like mystery uh you know discovery exploration social political campaign he says but they just shoehorn in all these like okay well you go here looking for the MacGuffin and you get in a fight and you find out the MacGuffin's not there so you go where the MacGuffin is and you get in a fight right but you find out the MacGuffin has actually been moved from there too so you go where the MacGuffin really is now and you get in a fight and it's like does it does it need all that you know yeah yeah, and I, I I don't even necessarily feel that it needs all that, but I do feel like that is a return, and I think it cheapens the game, the rest of the system. Because there's so much more that these systems do, especially D&D. Yeah. D&D has tons of skills and skill checks that can be performed, and so many times it's two sentences. Mm-hmm. Like, they can choose to intimidate the guards, or they can passively try and stealth around them. The TNs are the following. Okay, that was cheap, like too cheap. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Why couldn't that have been an encounter? Why are those my only options? Right. Or, or who are these guards? What do they want? You right. Know? Right. Why isn't there more story here about getting into the keep or or going into this other area? Like it feels like it's it's shoehorned to get you to combat. I mean, and the rest I, is just description. I kind of understand from a module standpoint because modules they want to be like very you know pre-written with only a handful of options you know so that you almost can't go off the rails in them. Sure. Um, and so you 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 can't really get into maybe all that all the that that many options at least in the in the written module you leave it up to the storyteller to intuit those sort of things. But still, that's what turns me off a lot of those properties mm-hmm. though, is because the options they per they 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 give you are um at least in my mind, kind of cheap and narrow, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's funny. Nox just said, it could have been an email. I mean, an encounter. Yeah. No, that's a great... Uh, it's, why did we have to have this meeting? Yeah. Why did we have to have yeah. this encounter? This this combat this combat could have just been a, a, a stealth check. A know? challenge. Yeah, yeah, it could have just been a challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, so let's talk about some of these non-combat activities, the right. actual non-combat. The, the plethora of things to do that aren't stabbing people. Yes, the many plethora. All right, <laughs> the many plethora. The many plethora. The, the myriad, yes. the myriad things you can do. Yes. Um, Give me one. So, uh, I I like mystery. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a handful, actually. I like okay. politics. Okay. Uh, I think uh, exploration is one that is way underdone. Totally. Um. I like chases. Chases are, okay. are, are, are very action-packed. They can easily break into combat if one uh, one group catches the other. Sure. Uh, but the chase themselves may not be uh, uh, may not be a combat situation. Okay. Um, like I said, horror and suspense earlier. Uh, okay. And puzzle solving is one of my other big ones, too. Like, I really like it when... It, as much as I, I... I know we did an entire episode about how I hate puzzles and dungeons because they're so unrealistic, but... Low key, there's a little part of me that kind of loves them because 
something different. I think they're back in my heart right now because it's the 20th anniversary of Silent Hill 2. Mm. And so, like, weird puzzles in, in, in survival horror games okay. is fresh on the tip of my mind. So, so let's, let's break down some of those on actually how you do them. All right, all right. Because all right. that's, again, we talk about, like, this isn't something that's described. Yeah, sure. Um, so, for instance, if we're talking about, like, a party. You're, you're 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 dealing with banter or political discussions, trying to get information at it. Your your traditional like uh, uh, leverage moment, you know, where you've got to get into an event and get information or get something to slip something in a pocket. Oh yeah, or pull something from a pocket. So, you know, you get an ID card or something like that. So mm-hmm. you got a team doing that kind of stuff. At that point, tactical is not a way to go. No, absolutely. Everyone's going to have to have. There's going to be a challenge to meet, and there's going to have to have the party take an approach. Now, individual players might take their own approaches to different things, but it is just as challenging as trying to do a fight. And we're not saying that you may not, you you won't succeed, you know, you'll maybe you get the card, but at a cost, mm-hmm. that there's some kind of a consequence. You get noticed, or you get recognized for who you are. Or you drop something, some information, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or something that was important. Like, yes, you did get your way out of the event quick enough, but you also left the uh, dinner jacket that had your laundry ticket in it. Right, right. You know, and now they know to go searching for that, which leads you back to your account and information there. Mm-hmm. So they're waiting for you at a drop. You know, now you can have an encounter that might turn into combat. Might or it might be to something else. Might lead, yeah, might yeah. lead to any other thing, yeah. You know, and it's, those are where those moments where just a party can seem much more adventurous because you've added in all of these other elements where everyone gets to be a part of it in some way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's really great that you bring up leverage uh, for that too because I, I, I can really imagine the old D&D party doing... You see yeah. Hulavu's comment? Yeah, You're laughing yeah, about yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's go steal a D&D podcast. That's right. So I, I would say that uh, th- those kinds of events where you where it's a it's a group event is a big thing for me because again everyone has their own approach to it mm-hmm. whether you're the you're bruiser or whether you're the face or whether you're the stealth monkey you know whatever you know yeah absolutely absolutely um, and I I think uh, like the important thing and I think we'll maybe we'll come to this a little bit later is 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 about the consequences of those things mm-hmm. you know it's not yeah. like oh you've been found out everybody roll for initiative because the guards are all going to attack you now. Like oftentimes that doesn't happen. You know, they're going to try to apprehend you. They may be suspicious. They may ask some questions and things like that. Um, You may have to make a hasty escape or whatever, but like, you know, okay, you failed. Now we're going to roll into combat is also not necessarily the cause and effect you're going for there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Another one is your stealth kind of stories. Like, Everyone has to sneak into a facility, right? Yes. And it is overwhelmingly guarded by heavier things. Uh, one of the games that I'm currently playing right now, Scum, you, you don't go gun blazing into anywhere. Yeah, it's called because, ringing the dinner bell. Exactly, because the, the zombies will come get you and or the giant mechs that are defending that area will be like, you know, put your hands up. I'm coming to get you. And their next words are boom, 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 boom. They're mm-hmm. guns. And you, they, they are not something you can put down. They are they are not something you can outrun. They will just waste you. So it is very much about stealth. And everybody's involved in that process. Yes. yes. So, And you, you, you mentioned Solid Snake here. And I think that's um, 
Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of really actually glad you did because mm-hmm. uh, like thinking about stealth because stealth is another one of those things that that typically in a lot of D and D games you'll see like oh you failed your stealth check the guards are alerted roll for initiative yeah and it rolls instantly into combat again but thinking back on like uh, Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. I actually thought that was a really nice sort of thing it was like you don't necessarily get go straight from stealth into combat. Mm-hmm. There's a suspicion phase between yes. the two of those. Yes. Where guards are alerted, guards will be actively searching for you, and you may have to change your tactics up to remain in stealth. Right. There may be a, You may have to hide. You may have to disguise yourself. You may have to change your planned route. It's right. a complication that gets added, but we're not out of stealth yet. Right. And gameplay continues without shooting people. Another thing that just hit my head. And, and and this is something that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I think it's I think it's definitely something to consider. Uh-huh. We have this thing where we're sitting at a table and there's, you know, four to five people sitting there, and you're all stealthing along, and then, you know, maybe you add in that suspicion element where they're starting to close in on you. There's a chance that one of those players are just gonna be like, I open up with my machine gun mm-hmm. and just start laying them out. Okay, everybody start rolling initiative. Let's let's get into this. There's no hard, fast rule that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. If the other players are not removing themselves from cover and are, are going to go with a different approach, they're just going to shift approach, and they're not going to combat, there's nothing that says you can't handle that combat differently. Agreed. Just because one player decided to pull out and start fighting. Okay, I pull out my machine gun and I open up on a bunch of unawares guards. Okay. You kill four of them. You went loud. You went loud. Uh, the lights are coming on. They're all shining on you. You guys, however, are all in stealth because you didn't go loud. What right. are you doing? Right. What's your new approach? Yeah. And at that point, now you can... Okay, You so clearly you now have new complications, Mr. I have a machine gun and the spotlights are on me. Yeah. You know, everyone else is going to have to handle their approach differently. And look, that's not necessarily bad. Diversionary techniques are totally valid. I go back to... Oh, God, what was the movie... Where he's sitting there having a sandwich while he's watching the other guy go around the the marina in a boat getting chased. Uh, someone's got to remember this in the, the in the thing. It's it's a uh, oh, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, because it's it's I want to say it's Cavill who's the actor, and he's literally sitting like he sneaks through, get, you know, eventually gets out. The other guy's a Russian who's working with him and he's getting chased by all these other guys shooting at him while he's trying to get out of this dock area. And he's just sitting in this vehicle quietly having a sandwich, watching this all happen in front of him while listening to the radio. And it's, it's a classic scene of, of, of like one player not giving a crap that the other one got found out. And I would, I would love to see that play out. I would love to see that play out. Man oh, from uncle. Man thank from you. Uncle. Okay, thank cool, you. Cool, thank cool. you. Yeah. It's a fan. If you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic movie. But it's uh, it's a very classic scene where I would do that. I'd be like, "Okay, you went loud. Mm-hmm. Here's what's here's your challenges. <laughs> you you were successfully making your drive rolls until you didn't. Yep, yep. So what are you gonna do? <sighs> All right, I'll help him. I'm gonna make a drive roll. What are you gonna do? I'm driving the truck onto the other boat. I mean, it's right in front of the docks, right there waiting. Okay, man, roll roll your drive skill, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, cool, let's do Great. this. Oh, you saved him. Okay. Uh, now, see, actually, you, you brought up an interesting uh, uh, idea, too, uh, along the lines of, like, okay, well, you know, the guards have spotted us. I'm just going to open up on them, mm-hmm. you know, and allow you guys to get away. I'm going to draw all the attention. Is that whole, I'll stay behind and buy you time. Just exactly. go. Exactly. Is exactly. such a great heroic trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be handled in a, a very simple way, as you yep. wrote here in our notes. Like, just, okay, the scene is over. 
Yeah. You guys escape. You see him staying behind, ripping off half a half, half a belt of ammunition out of his out of his light machine gun. Mm-hmm. Next scene, the machine gunner dude is not in. Yep. He is out of play for right now. Yep. And then you guys go and you do whatever, but he's basically sidelined for right now. What yep. he did essentially was sacrifice himself from the story to get you guys to continue the story without consequence. Right. And I thought that was great. I think it's a great idea, and Seven C handles it. A little differently in that, you know, because it's, again, it's heroes not getting lost. Mm-hmm. But I think in other systems you could do the same thing. You just remove them from the scene. Everything continues on with that scene. And then when the next scene or the next part comes up that would make sense for them to be able to return to, you resolve what happened with that individually with that player. Doesn't someone see have like a, a seduction skill or something like that that does very much the same thing? Come like, hither. You can, yeah, you can, you can come hither an NPC and you, you two just fade to black. Yeah, and then but they're removed. Yep, from the scene. Yep. Whatever, whatever you're you doing, you remove them from the scene, and the next scene you enter separately, differently. Yeah, slightly disheveled. But may- maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I I still think one of the best ones that I heard was uh, there were four guards in front of the door, and uh, they made they used to come hither, dragged them uh, into a side room, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and said, you know, I'm taking them off to the side room. Okay, great. Those guards are gone. You guys can continue on. The next scene, uh, you know, okay, so how do you enter the scene? Uh, I come through the side door holding a, a, cappuccino, a cappuccino in one hand and spinning a frying pan in the other. What happened to the guards? Apparently they didn't like brunch. <laughs> Just set the pan down and sips the rest of your coffee. like... Oh, you kinked them as soon as they came in the room. Indeed, I did. You're damn right. <laughs> and so, and in, and so, you're not. You know, it's not changing the flavor of the character, but it's it's using a kind of a seduction role to drag somebody off into another scene. Yeah. Or or use something like that, and I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. Exactly. It explains it perfectly fine. And it allows the it allows the player to use their you know the, either their feminine wiles or their their heroic streak of you know of, of violence to, or their smolder or the smolder <laughs> yeah um, to to do do something interesting in the story, affect yeah. the outcome, help their players, and then you know you will let you leave it in their hands to kind of dramatically narrate, like, okay, well, what what happened in that room? Yep. Uh, <laughs> not hanky panky, I'll tell you that much. Yep. You know, yep. There's yeah. There's a f- frying pan and <laughs> exactly, and and several wangs <laughs> and, and, and four. No, 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 not several wangs. <laughs> uh, four very surprised guards. Yes. So I think one of the things that um that all of this I think hinges on and in inevitably we come back to is mm-hmm. the fact that these challenges are not guards to plot. Yes. Whatever year players are trying to get to, that is not what you're blocking. Mm-hmm. The, when Indiana Jones gets to the, the temple and he sees the idol, the idol is right there. There's- it is Obvious. There's no DM going, make a perception check to see if you can find the idol. It's there. Yes. That is passively, 100%, made it to where he needs to go. The challenge is that he knows there's traps between me, him, everything, Mm -hmm. right? And how is he going to do it? What is he going to succeed at? What is he willing to fail at? Mm -hmm. You know, in trying to leave there. Like when he runs and the darts are just shooting off all the place, he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, it's all about him doing the math on what he's willing to accept and move on. And that's what we are talking about when we're talking about challenge. We're talking about your players are going to get what they need. Yeah. The question yeah. is, do they get more 
or are there consequences for getting to it? Yeah, I, I've I've seen a number of like Reddit threads on uh, DM Academy or D and D Next or you know whatever whatever subreddits on there where they're like, well. I'm trying to do this mystery, but like my my players just rolled real crap on their perception checks, and they didn't find any of the clues, and they, now they don't know what to do. What do I do about that? Why didn't you give them any of the clues? You know, like just just give them to them. Did they sneak into the place? Well, yeah. Well, then why did you put plot progression behind a perception check? You know, right. So you know the important thing is you never get it behind a skill check. Just give it to them. It's all the ancillary stuff you can still do a perception check sure but like you said with your with your indian jones thing like you're not looking for the idol mm-hmm. you're looking for the traps around the idol well, that's you're looking the challenge for the, yeah. you're looking for the best escape route after you spring the traps you already know are there right maybe that's the perception check you know and i think that's what could be written into adventures yeah. i think that's what's that that's the light point that we're missing within the stories is is that you could have that opportunity to write something like that and say, okay, once they make it to X room, here are the challenges of that space, and here are the opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll achieve this, but they may be risking. And I think that's a better way to present those kind of moments. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so I, the the one question that does that does kind of come up, and and this is this is a, a question I asked directly in our discuss our, our, our pregame discussion here, um, was okay. So if you are just going to hand things to your players of mm-hmm. like okay you went looking for a clue here it is no role no anything like that how then do you make that feel satisfying for the players when technically success is guaranteed it's even though it's guaranteed there are consequences and opportunities that sit mm-hmm. on top of that that's the difference that's the the thin veil that it is not that easy. It's not that the plot is always going to hand you what you need. It's all the other pieces. There are only seven stories. Sure. You could always you you can tell the the hero, you know, saving the damsel. You 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 can tell that any number of ways you want, but it's still the hero saving the damsel. That's the story. Mhm. Right? Yeah, sure. Oh, you're going to make it a challenge to save the damsel. She's not in this castle. She's in another castle. Mm-hmm. Let's go to that. Oh, she's not in this castle. She's in another castle. Or, okay, let's change it up totally. There's a different bad guy here with different skill sets. To you know, Come on. At a certain point, this just feels weak. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, there is no challenge beyond that. And that's where we have to kind of close that gap in that mentality of the DM versus the player. Yeah. And saying that yeah. we are we are progressing the story, but it does mean that there'll be challenges related to what's going on. Mm-hmm. The plot will always continue. Yeah. I mean, the plot will continue without that character even. Maybe with a different character. The story will continue. But the point is, is that those challenges that are laid out are there to make the story interesting. We're not just handing out salads and everybody's laughing and having a good time. Right, you know? right. Yeah, and I, and I I think um, I think it's I think it's okay, like to give your players a win. Always, Dead on. it's like not everything has to be a damn uphill battle with with everything you know mm-hmm. of you know having to earn being able to see the note on the you know on the on the desk by by you know making a perception check like just just give it to them it's fine like 
we're here to play a game. We're here to tell a story. We're here to have fun. Mm-hmm. How functionally different would it be, you know, if you just gave it to them? If mm-hmm. you just assumed that, that their characters were competent enough to search the desk and find the thing they're looking for. Right. Without, without a role. Yeah. You know, does that, does that really change the outcome to just hand it to them? Mm-hmm. And I, I think not only that is the answer to that no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's perfectly okay to just hand your players things and stuff like that. But I think, you know, it, like you said, breaking down that DM versus player mentality is that, you know, once you start realizing that these, the consequences for failure, for failing a role, mm-hmm. for failing a perception check or a stealth check or something like that, isn't immediate disaster and death, mm-hmm. the more your players will feel okay to fail in your game. Right. Because they know that it just adds a complication to an already existing story mm-hmm. rather than it just being, oh, God, now we're all going to die. Yep. And then once you've got a group that's okay failing at your table, they may start doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Savage Worlds has a, uh, you know, our, our hindrances. Mm-hmm. And one of the main ways you're going to generate bennies, which are a major currency that they encourage to flow freely between storyteller and and player, is by role-playing your hindrances. Is your character mean? Well, then mouth off to the person that you're, uh, that, that you're talking to, you know? Is it the most diplomatic? Is it the most optimal situation? Right. No, but your character isn't optimal. They're mean. It says it right on their character sheet, you know? Uh... And and when they start doing that, when they start feeling okay to complicate situations on their own, through their own role play, just because they know that it's not going to mean instant failure and death and derailment of their of, of, of the whole plot, it's just going to mean they get a Benny token and maybe they don't get that information from that one person. Right. Maybe there's an extra leg to their adventure now where they got to go somewhere else for it. Exactly. Or expend some resources to say, I'm sorry, this dude, this dude was, a, was mean to you. Can we have the thing anyways? Yeah. Yes, now that you've expended a resource. Yes. You know? Yep. Uh, Mouse Guard does a great job of it as well. Mouse Guard is excellent at this. Yeah. Fa- failure does not exist in Mouse Guard, but consequences do. And sometimes those consequences are quite dire. I mean, you could lose a tail. You could lose an eye. You could have a permanently degraded skill set. But the point is, is that your the story continues. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, just because there's something very dangerous there or, or you know, you're, you're trying to ford a river that is raging, you might lose some gear and time. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you're, you're going to get across it because that's what the story is. Absolutely. You know? Uh, I actually want to bring up uh, Knox in the Box's quick question here. Is it doesn't, uh, this is in regards to um, discovering clues and stuff like that with mm-hmm. perception checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks, uh, doesn't passive perception handle these things um, uh, sometimes? And the the answer is both yes and no. Uh, yes, passive perception is there to basically put a to put a floor on your perception check so that you're not constantly bumbling around rolling fours right. and not able to find you know your own. Your you own will butt. always be your passive at a minimum. However, what if none of your passives are high enough to meet the base difficulty check you put on there? Mm-hmm. Then it's still a roll. Or they just don't find it. Mm-hmm. And you're still gating it behind a check, whether that's a passive check or an actively rolled check. Yeah. And I think passive checks are just another gimme. Like, yeah. if you're using that check to do a gimme, then the reason why you should be using that check is to see who has the highest. Yeah. 
And that's the yep. person who notices it because they're the person who is the noticing person. Right, right. I, I almost I, I almost don't like passive perception just because, like you said, it's a gimme. But then if you're in a standard group, like one person's going to have the highest perception. They're always going to be the one with the highest perception. Yep. They're always going to be the one who notices stuff. Correct. You know, so there's, there's, a, there's a part of me that really likes what it does because it speeds things up. But at the same time, like... It almost speeds it up to the why bother yeah, area. Yeah, and that's kind of where I feel about it is that mm. I don't I don't feel that it does a service for what it's meant to do. Because, like, okay, my passive perception is, you know, a 16, let's say. Like, sure. I have amazing perceptions. My passive perception is a 16. I'm going to notice most people who are trying to stealth. Yep. The average Joe who's trying to stealth cannot stealth past me. Mm-hmm. There's no role for that. It's just, I'm that cool. That doesn't feel great because there's no... There's no interaction. There's, there's no gameplay correct. there. Correct. Yeah. It, it, is, it is literally removing agency from your players because they don't have an opportunity to check it. Sure. Sure. It's just you saying, oh, and you notice that there are two guards attempting to stealth behind your entire group. Oh, I did? What? I didn't roll or anything. Hey, your passive is high enough. Oh, well, hey, good for me. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. So, but, so I see how it could be, but I feel that that's the wrong place for it. I I feel that it's still a tactical measure. Yeah. It's just not a great one. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. That's just me. So, uh, I think we've, we've kind of beaten the non, the non-combat stuff into the, into the ground. Yeah. I think we're pretty good with this. So remember that challenges exist, that there are consequences and opportunities. That's really the key to what we're talking about. Yeah. Is is yeah. that whatever you run into, whether it be combat or it be something not combat related, think about it as a challenge. What are they automatically going to... What is the goal that they're going to get to at the end of this? Regardless of how things go, mm-hmm. they make one success amongst all of them and that happens. Yep. Then it's a matter of, okay, what are the other consequences that could happen that they have to avoid? And what are opportunities that are presented to them? And I would say, try and make sure you always have an optimum thing that's set to the side. Because your players may come up with something that you didn't. For instance, maybe they're going after the letter of Mark from the king so that they can get out of town. But one of the players makes an amazing role and they're like, Hey, could I also steal the naval map where all the ships are? Yeah. Yeah, you, sure, you, man. Yeah, go for it. You mm-hmm. you now know the last locations of all of the, the naval f- ships that went out to sea, so you know where they're plotting and heading to. Mm-hmm. Fantastic idea. Th- that's the kind of stuff that I think can really change the, the direction of a game when you're starting to let your players get a little. And the more you kind of present these opportunities as that is a thing, the more they're going to look at it and say, yeah, may- maybe this, or maybe I can approach things this way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know. I'm a I'm a big proponent of the idea that you teach your players how to play your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the more that you lean into things like that, and the more that you greenlight those sort of ideas, lean into them, and 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 bounce the story back up off of that, without having to resort to the same old tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 more they are going to try things like that, and yep. it becomes a reciprocal sort of uh, sort of relationship. Yes. All right, uh, so we have one question today, mm-hmm. uh, and that is from Knox in the Box. Uh, he says, when I think about non-combat games, 
I think of games that operate like choose-your-own-adventure stories or mm-hmm. even the modern-day versions like Telltale video games. Nah. Sure, they may have a fight or conflict, but the maneuvering mechanic is more narrative, uh, more from narrative choices and not dice rolls. Do you find that games like this are more suitable for smaller or even solo play groups? Do you think the size of the player group even matters? I don't think the size of the group matters. I agree. I, I will say that smaller groups... Um, or, and I'll use the term casual groups, uh, tend to do better with this type of play, um, where you're, you're given, you're given options and such. Um, our, our mouse guard group is relatively small. Um, and, and, <laughs> so to speak. Ah, that's funny. Womp womp. Um, and, but at the same time, it's also a mixed group of, of role-playing levels. And this gives us that opportunity where it's choice-based. It, in in many ways of how are you going to approach this? What skill are you going to use? Okay, make a simple roll. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and you've moved on. It's that simple. And even when somebody's struggling, it's easy for someone else to help them with a different approach at something. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I like that. I think that that level of being able to be meta with the story and the characters helps everyone in the end. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in a larger group, I, I feel that it can get a little challenging, but I think it definitely would speed up combat and and and, and tactical decision making, if you will. Yeah, I, I think uh, probably my, my biggest problem um, with uh, larger groups is that uh, splitting the party. Mm. Um, when you've got a smaller group, it's easier to keep them together and tell one story for all four players at the table. You start getting to larger groups, you start getting a lot more diverse ideas, and uh, you start... It affords the players a tactical flexibility mm-hmm. in that you can split the party. Like, in a six-person group like I've got, mm-hmm. you can split the group down the middle and you've still got two three-man teams. Yeah. And those are perfectly viable to get stuff done. So, rather than, like, no, if you go off by yourself, you're going to die. No, you've got a three-man team if you split mm-hmm. the party down the middle. True. So absolutely viable to do and so you know they there's, if, there's that old that old storyteller piece of advice never split the party mm-hmm. you know um but i think in the when you go to a more narrative or or challenge uh kind of methodology it it's okay it it's becomes a lot more forgiving way yeah. more forgiving i think the one dinner party where some of us were doing one thing and some of us were doing another thing was a perfect example of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, had that stealthers. We had people down in the party. We had we had everything going on simultaneously, and it didn't feel weird. It, yeah, it felt like I was literally watching a, a, a show, a TV show. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, I loved kind of that, that leverage feel. It very know? much felt like you leverage. had people working the room out in public while mm-hmm. you had stealthers behind searching through. You know, basically tossing somebody's office. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think that worked out great. Uh, no, so I I do agree that um, I think the 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 big the the big dividing line here is not how big your party is, but what your narrative decisions are. Uh, and the more tactical and more combative you get, the more lethal you get with your with your narrative decisions, um, the less it's going to work out. Right. But like you said, if you keep it, if you keep it very narrative, if you keep it uh, on a sort of a challenge based system where you know the, the the outcomes are just going to be complications they're not going to be the guards descend with with swords drawn mm-hmm. um or the security bots pop out of their bays on the you know on the on the walls mm-hmm. um then i think you 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 maintain a lot of flexibility and you maintain a lot of options yeah and you maintain a sort of speed and fluidity of play yeah i i do think that there is something to be said for 
those who run very tactical games that, or or I'll say mixed tactical games like Shadowrun, Overwatch brought that up as it is all about splitting the party because actually... you've got you've got your 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 gun bunnies, you've got your 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 street samurai, you've got your matrix runners. Everybody's going to be doing a little bit different things in totally different areas. Oh yeah, and it's all about making that work. But at the same time, it's it's at its heart kind of a tactical game with a lot of cr- a lot of crunchy numbers going on simultaneously. Oh, it is, yeah. Um but I think that its timing and the way that events turn in Shadowrun make it have a little different speed than something like Sh- like D&D um or the other games. And I I think that's to its credit. It's it's gone a long way from where it started. And I think it's done a great job of mixing story and combat uh, and and keeping the speed of both uh, going quite well. Uh, it is a, it's a unique system. I like I, I've always liked Shadowrun in the way that it's it's handled things. Um, so it's a good point to bring up Overwatch that it's kind of the outlier in this and in, in, in a speed sense for combat and breaking things up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I, 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 I do want to kind of double down on that disclaimer of like none of this is meant to be like tactical combat is bad necessarily no you know there's definitely a time and a place for it i'm not a huge fan of it personally but that's not a like that's not a uh, an indictment against it no that's just me saying it's my flavor yeah i mean and and i'll honestly say over the years like when i first started palladium was awesome and charts and tables and it was really badass and i grew up on palladium too man i i I didn't care that combat took four hours because i was sitting down with my friends overnight we'd play six to seven hour games oh man there were such great things that happened. You know, you, some somebody rolls that natural twenty when it really counts, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, we had we had a lot of fun in uh, uh, in your last game when mm-hmm. uh, like I used my action to summon up my familiar mm-hmm. and send it streaking across at a dark elf witch that had popped up and was trying to cast some really nasty stuff just to use the help action so that our rogue could put an arrow through her throat. Yeah, kind of and stuff it like that. Perfectly, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant, and that's where tactics make a huge difference than just an approach roll, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that that those types of games are are an evolution. Like Shadowrun didn't start as D and D. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that's we're get, we have to get away from that concept. And I think that's something that our podcast does pretty well is talking is moving away from the whole concept of players versus the storyteller, you know, and gets back to a combined story yeah absolutely absolutely so uh no matter what you're playing it should definitely be you know collaborative you should be working with your storyteller and your storyteller should be working with you Mm -hmm. to tell a better story and make sure that everybody's having a good time and such like that so speaking of stories uh many many months many (laughs) many moons ago uh when we had seth around he was talking about how much he liked cyberpunk red yeah and his group was really into it so we are going to be doing that as our system spotlight for uh, the month of december yes uh so i'm I'm looking forward to it because i have not looked at this system i really haven't either ever so Uh, (laughs) sean's been playing the video game but that's about as close as i've gotten to it so i i know a little bit about the world but that's it uh, anyways, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. You can find us on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, on uh, mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. You can find the link to our Discord on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. Now, you don't have to be a Patreon member to join our Discord, and we would love to have you. We'd love to see your questions and have you as part of the discussion. But if you do, we would love you to join our Patreon and help us support the show. Uh, much 
much like our name members, Knox the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu, we really appreciate everything you do Thanks every so month. Much. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting Thank us. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years, uh, please, uh, those of you who uh, are sick right now, please get well please get uh, better. from please, whatever please, you're please. dealing with. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you all. Good, Good night. night.